0: Greetings and welcome to New Horizon, the Mind and Body Connection. I'm your host, Dr. Keisha Ross. We have a wonderful guest today, our special guest, uh, Mrs. Adina Varner. I will tell you a little bit about her background before we begin, but I'm so excited um, to have her here today. I just finished seeing one of her plays that we'll talk a little bit about later. Adina Varner is the Director of Learning and Community Engagement at the Repertory Theater of St. Louis, where she is the lead producer for youth and family programs and performances. She also is the lead curator and innovator for all community engagement events. She served as the Director of Learning and Social Accountability at Baltimore Center Stage before joining the Rep in 2020. She is a playwright, producer, director, performer, and educator committed to advocating for equity and diversity in the arts and increasing access to art for all children. She is a member of Theater for Young Audiences and the Educational Theater Association. Thank you so much for being here today, Mrs. Varna How are you doing?
1: Thank you, Dr. Ross, for having me. I am so excited to be with you. I'm doing well this Sunday afternoon.
0: Wonderful. And thanks for being here. For everyone listening, this will be a pre-recording. Typically, we have a live... um show. So you won't be able to send in uh, questions, but we still encourage you to text in comments that you may have about today's show. And, And our topic today is advocacy and equity, the power of representation in the arts. So we continue to promote decreasing stigma and increasing psychoeducation on mental health and mental illness. So today's show will have a focus on the arts as a path for building equity and also as a path for healing. So I'm excited Excited for us to talk about that today. So, Mrs. Barna, let's start with you by sharing a bit about your professional background.
1: Yeah, you—you've already done such a good job. I, I'll say, I'm originally from the East Coast. I'm, I'm born and raised in Baltimore, Maryland. Be more, be more, be, yes. more, be more. I love be more. <laughs> Baltimore, all the way. Yes. Um. So, and uh, I really, I started my my. I guess my world in theater started very, very young. And actually by way of music, I was a singer first and came to musical theater by way of, of, okay. of singing on the church choir and in the community choir and the school choir. And, you know, they got sick of me on the choir and said, you need to be in this play. So yeah. that is how I kind of transitioned into theater and um, was really blessed, really fortunate to be able to go to one of the, uh leading high schools well, pre- performing arts high schools in Baltimore, Maryland, Baltimore School for the Arts, folks like Jada Pinkett graduated there, Tupac graduated from there. So nice. I mean, go down the list of folks who are do who have done and are continuing to do amazing work. Um and and I graduated, went to University of Maryland, so truly a East Coast girl um did did all the theater work that I could do while I was uh, at University of Maryland. And then when I graduated, my husband and I started off family pretty much right away. Um, and and what's interesting about me that most people don't know is that I actually started my professional life in, in local government. Um I worked for, in Baltimore City, I actually worked for the city. I was on, a, um, and it worked in the Department of Code Enforcement. And what that taught me, I think my advocacy actually started right there. Um, I would yes. consider myself an arts activist. Um, but what I started to have in that position was really a heart for my people, a heart for mm-hmm. the city. Um, I was seeing people's living conditions.
0: Mm-hmm. I was
1: seeing, you know, unjust housing laws and, mm-hmm. and things like that. And I think that is where my heart for advocacy started to really, um, kind of blossom and then shifted back into what I love and, and most passionate about, which is the arts and went to grad school and, and and continue down that path. So it's an interesting way in which our paths, you know, kind of yes. kind of we- weave and ebb mm-hmm. and flow. And and as we think it's going to be one thing, it's not quite that way. And and so my my work really is about uh, young people, uh, mm-hmm. people who have typically been, you know, marginalized and othered. Mm-hmm. Um, and bringing them into the fold so that they can kind of get a sense that like theater is for everybody, not just because it's performance and not just mm-hmm. because you get to come see a pretty show. But it has this interesting and I think really um, this really transformative, uh, transformative quality in, in, in creating art and also observing art.
0: It is. I, I love that you described it as transformative because life is art and art yeah. is life, right? If yeah. We're depicting what we are experiencing. And I love that you were able to gel together, you know, your love and your passion for community building and equity yeah. work with what you do, you know, yeah. as, as your career. So I'm excited to have you speak more to that. So tell us about how you utilize art to raise awareness about cultural representation?
1: Mm. <sighs> well, um, I've been here for about three years and I moved during the pandemic and like the thick of it. So mm-hmm. August, 2020, Wow. you know, everybody is trying to just figure out what the world is um, mm-hmm. and just survive. And we, at that time um, here, um, and I'm still, I'm still learning St. Louis because the world feels like it's just starting to open up again. Mm-hmm. Um, but one of the things that I did in Baltimore was I was on several different councils and local committees. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I served as a few, for a few organizations as a, as a junior board member. Um, and so I'm, I'm starting that advocacy work now. Um, but one of the things that I did when I first got here at the rep was we weren't meeting together everything was virtual. yeah, um, And so all the work was remote. And so the first thing that I did was um, kind of create and curate a conversation series um, so that we, again, can just think out of the box, not just be a performance space, but how do we do what nonprofits are supposed to do, which is be in service of the community yes. Yes. Um, and use our platforms and use our resources to actually help and to serve. Um, and so it just so happened that we were it's, it's 2020. it's time to vote. and so we used our platform to launch our conversation series which is called represent STL. And the first uh, episode was about breaking down the ballot. It was a bipartisan conversation. We know mm-hmm. that you know district to district in St. Louis your ballot is going to look different than your neighbor down the streets yeah. ballot. And, and so we had we brought people together to talk about the main propositions that were going to be um, on on the ballot at that time. And so and we've continued down that road with just bringing thought leaders together, bringing activists, bringing educators, bringing entrepreneurs together to yeah. really wrestle and talk about the things that matter. And because we're artists, it's a little theatrical. Um, it's it's a, a, little little drama,
0: a, little a little drama, a little drama, <laughs> a little
1: dramedy. And now we got some music and some some fun stuff that happens in there. Keep it engaging. Yeah. Um, and then also in 2020, um, we responded to a need for families to be able to do something together.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, we we folks just needed joy. You know, they were tired of being locked in the house and. You know, the children were anxious and parents were worn yeah. out. And, and so we, our doors again were still closed and we produce, right? We make shows, we tell stories. And there was a, a real need to give people something to do that will increase joy
0: mm-hmm. and,
1: um, something that families can do safely. And, yes. and so what we were able to do was come up with a beautiful new tradition that's been, we've been doing it ever since. Um, and it's called Glowy Snowy Day. And wow. it is actually an adaptation of the classic children's book, The Snowy Day by Ezra Jack Keats. Mm-hmm. Um, and we were able to, um, get the rights to, to adapt this children's play into essentially a podcast and a giant oh. puppet show. Nice. And what's so, what's really, really cool about it is it's a story about uh, a young man who happens to be a young black kid. Who is experiencing the the season's first snow, and it's just the pure joy of being outside, playing yes. in the snow with his friends. Um, and we've been we were able to bring that to life, and we've been able to do that uh, consequently each year. Um, so it's those types of opportunities. Yes. Um, it's not the traditional "come see a play," but it's how mm-hmm. do I incorporate who we are, what matters to us, our humanity into the art form.
0: I love that. I mean, in a contemporary way, as you say, because you're being creative within the creativity box already because you're yeah. not necessarily doing things in the traditional way. And, you know, just linking art to mental health, which you mentioned there for the pandemic, it was a serious time. And yeah. I'm being shut down and out of school, a lot of children were experiencing a rise in depression, anxiety, high rise in suicidal ideation, which is suicidal thinking, some people acting on it. So it was definitely a time in where, as you said, needing a connection, And and opportunities for families to be together again. So what better way than the theater? And like anything, you never realize how much you do something until it's gone, right? So just being able to go out, we recognized how much there was was a loss there. So I love that you were able to create that glowy, snowy day for for the community. So something for children and parents, family, extended family. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And, and we've grown since then, but that is, but I think those are good examples of ways in which you can, to your point, it is, it is about the hope, the healing,
0: the storytelling,
1: mm-hmm. the connecting to people and just being innovative about the ways we, we do it. Yeah.
0: Yes. And as your bio states, you do
1: a what, ma'am?
0: So you're a playwright, producer, director, and performer. So I'm going to generally say, tell us about that because- each of those roles are, are different. So w- which would you like to speak to that you think?
1: You know, it's, it's a trip. It's a trip. It's um, I am pretty busy. I'm, I'm grateful because I'm coming back from a little bit of, of a moment of rest. I had two weeks off. It's been a busy Wonderful. year, busy season. Um, I was the youth director for our production of A Christmas Carol, which is our largest play.
0: Mm-hmm. If you know
1: Christmas Carol, it's just a big, big yes. show, um, and we have twenty-three young people from the community in that show, and Wonderful. so we essentially have two companies that we have two entities in one company. We'll put it that way. We've got the the adults, we've got the the college students that we also partner with Webster. We partner with Big Muddy. We partner with the the families and community, and. Um, that's a very heavy lift as a director. It is, it's, um, it's, a, I, sur- I also serve uh, off under our artistic director because she's the director for the show and then I'm the youth director. So we are working really in tandem to make sure that the vision of, of, of the play is materialized and it is a heavy, heavy lift, um, being one of the leaders in the room Yes. Um, and, and really being able to kind of synthesize all of the people and and all of the needs that all of the people have and being able to keep us all on track and and really focus in on on the goal that we all share um it interestingly enough since the pandemic or well, actually prior to i have not been on stage in quite some time, um, but I'm excited to kind of be, Having my, my performance debut at Coca in just about, just yes. over a month. So I, I'm, I'm playing Soccer Mom in their version of, uh, a play called The Wolves. Um, okay. it's by Sarah Dillap. and I'm really excited about that. That's the end of March and it has been some times so I'm a little rusty, but excited. Um, and, and so even there being on the other side of the table is a big mm-hmm. adjustment. Um, and, and it's something that I think is important for for our leaders to remember what it feels like to be the mm-hmm. worker. Um, and and I, so that's exciting. I just finished directing a show that's currently on tour right now called The Miraculous Journey of Edward Tulane. That's a TYA show. So that's theater for young audiences. And that actually travels around the region. Some days we're in Illinois. Some days we're here in the state of Missouri okay. uh, and we go to different schools and rec centers and churches um, and again, introduce young people to theater. What's really interesting um, in my work in particular, we tend to focus, we hyper focus really on children in our inner cities and mm-hmm. and what I'm learning very, very, we um, have a really unique opportunity to also reach rural students who also
0: also yes in terms of having access
1: yes yes they don't have the cultural institutions they don't have diverse audiences coming to them or diverse Mm -hmm. work coming to them and so whatever depiction they may have in their minds of people of color is because they're so isolated right Mm -hmm. and so we have an interesting opportunity to bring our work there yes. also. So that um, I love, um, it's called ITC. It's our imaginary theater company. And we do, uh, we tour for about two or three months. So I'm just finishing that up. Um, very different worlds as performer and and director. Mm-hmm. Um, as, as director, you have to really understand the whole vision as performer. You can kind of focus on, on your part. Uh, <laughs> it's a little bit more yes. of a of narrower scope. Um, but it 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 uh so that's also very exciting um as as a a producer I, I'm grateful that I don't have to line produce all of the shows. There are some folks that at the rep who are in the trenches for every single performance. I'm only there for like one <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> all of my programs um but that is a really different um type of creating that happens mm-hmm. um you're really, you're really facilitating the entire process from the moment we, we decide what shows we're doing to contracting designers to problem solving with your mm-hmm. craftsmen your, to making sure that contracts are, are legal and everything has been stated clearly and making sure things stay on time and that deadlines are met. And so it's a different kind of creation. And one of my mentors mm-hmm. always says administration is creation and we are we are kind of building these systems to make sure we get from the moment of yes. conception to the mm-hmm. moment when it's actually produced and and they are our kind of in the in that role you're I'm like lead logistician um so mm-hmm. glowy snowy is one of the events that that I lead produce and everything kind of flows through you everything yes. from the budget to how many people are being hired to Uh, what does the design look like? It all flows through you, um, and so it's. I encourage people to stay hydrated and eat well.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Eat your eat your wheaties, um, for those of us of that generation to know. But thank you for that description because sometimes that the nuance. You know, between producer and director may be something that isn't very visible. You know, folks may hear it or think Hollywood, but not really understand everything that goes into it. So while it's the arts, there's very much, as you said, then an administrative piece of it. I love that you shared... just, it seems like you've been behind the scenes more, doing yeah. more of that versus performing, yeah. but you're returning to that. So excited to hear that. I have to work on catching on um, that performance because I'm here, we're here locally, uh, yes. in, in St. Louis. And I appreciate the point that you also made about rural communities. Yeah. Because that's where cultural representation is important because if there's a limit in terms of what there's access to, and we know there is a strong aspect of social learning in terms of what we are exposed to. So when we're limited in what we see and know and understand, then it yeah. becomes difficult for us yeah. to understand different aspects and, and, and different backgrounds. So it's great to hear that you're also um going to those communities. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm going to um, shift our conversation um a bit from, all that you do in that area and thank you for doing all that you do and wearing all those caps and St. Louis is all the more better for it. Thank you yes, to sure. um, moving here from Baltimore and blessing us in this space. We often speak on this show about stigma. You know, we've discussed yes. stigma um, as it relates specifically to African-American or Black culture in the U.S. and Canada um, regarding mental health. Talk with us about the importance of supporting the arts as a way to decrease stigma.
1: Mm. You you know, you just talked about representation and visibility. It's it's interesting. I think um artistic spaces in general, theater in particular, tend to be safe havens for mm. for folk who in whatever way feel traumatized, stigmatized, othered. Um, Mm -hmm. whether, whether it is racial, whether it is gender, whether it is, you know, sexual preference, um, it, socioeconomic status, Mm -hmm. it is, it just seems to be a space where those who feel marginalized, um, can be seen and heard and appreciated and valued. And, and so one of the things that I think has been interesting for us, specifically in my, 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 like programmatic her view we we are really trying, and this is something I'm gonna bug you about, Dr. Ross. We try <laughs> <laughs> we try so hard to be trauma informed, yeah. Um, and we we don't like to go into spaces with our own assumptions. We really do try to to listen to folks. You know, I grew like I said, I grew up in Baltimore City, very similar city to St. Louis. Mm-hmm. Um, it's got some of the same plight. It's got some of the same political structures.
0: Segregation,
1: it is. It's real, and and so even though I am not as learned as you are, I I have been taught by the streets what trauma and what and from life what trauma feels like, what it looks like. I know what my own triggers are, and and so I build that into our curriculums and into our Mm -hmm. workshops, so that when we go into spaces, we do no harm. Yes, Um, and especially when I have to send send. Folks into a school or into a rec center that are not people of color. If I have to send my white staff members, I have to know that they are not going to do any harm. And so mm-hmm. I think for for me, I try to be really intentional about the the hope, again, the hope and the healing that comes from the art. Um, I think that children in particular have a lot in them that just needs to be unlocked and shaped. We mm-hmm. don't need to go into a space and and give them, any t- type of dogma and judge them. And, and I think what they need is an opportunity for their imagination to be released
0: mm-hmm.
1: and, and to just be um, in spaces where people can facilitate uh, in a healthy way, their, their journey, because um, I, I, I'll, I'll share a specific example. We're currently working on um, our seventh residency this year, And um, our in-school program, we call it Story to Stage, is a a play-building program that really uses children's lived experiences, their Mm -hmm. goals and aspirations and things that they've imagined as the fuel to write their own story. And then that story turns into the play that we later produce. Um, It was so interesting when we start, they always say, I don't have anything to say. Mm -hmm. I don't have anything to say. I don't have any ideas. I don't, I don't, I don't like anything. I don't want to write a play. Um, (laughs) but when we start pulling on, well, what's interesting to you? What, what is the type of content that you like? Or what's, what do you want to be when you grow up? Or what's something that you don't want to be when you grow up? Or what's your, what's the favorite story that your grandmother told you? Or, you know, Mm. things like this, their own lived experience, things that you've seen on TikTok. What was interesting about that story that you saw on TikTok? Um, the world opens up to them and mm-hmm. they're able to not just have social emotional growth, but they also have literacy growth um, and their teachers have been able to mark surprisingly, within the short amount of time, significant growth in their reading and writing, but also in their yes. collaborative skills. Mm-hmm. Um, because theater is innately collaborative and they have to work with someone else to get the lines out, to write everything, to cast everything. Um, and so they, they're they learning problem solving, they're learning conflict resolution. Um, so it, is, it becomes, remark the work becomes remarkably accessible to different types of folks. Um and then the last thing I'll say about that is last year we we tried especially when it comes to thinking about our children who are on the spectrum and have different needs um we were we were very gratefully blessed to be able to hire more re- more folks and have acquire more resources to actually be able to have more students who have been diagnosed with a d h d or anxiety yes. or depression um mm-hmm. or or vary in their De- or have varying degrees of ability, um, and put them on stage, right? And, and not have yes. them feel othered and not it was mm-hmm. like seamlessly inserted them and kind of integrated them in the work that happened in our summer yes. camp because we had enough people. We got the, the, the people power, but mm-hmm. we also have other resources to be able to support them so that they shine and feel again seen valued and appreciated. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's that's really a core value for us is is making sure that the whole child and the whole person yes. is seen and appreciated um, and welcomed in our spaces. And just recapping
0: a couple of things you said: one, trauma informed. Thank you for bringing that in because people may think, "All right, what what does that have to do?" But a lot, right? Because we're seeing messages, we're hearing stories, we're having experiences. So all of that in different environments, there might be triggers that come yes. along. So thank you for bringing that up. That is so important to know that there like is a safe space, yes. having that level of awareness, that trauma lens, so that you can provide support um, as as is needed. And then as you spoke of working with the children, recognizing the ways in which it's helpful educationally. It's, as you said, it improves how children do in in school because it builds self-esteem. Yeah. It builds confidence. Because one thing about art is that it's no one way to do things, right? It's abstract. So there's no wrong in the way that that is done. So definitely that becomes an empowering experience, especially for children who may be marginalized or, you know, from disenfranchised communities. So then you also talked about mood the yeah. catharsis of of art you know we know that it enhances brain function there's a lot of like neuroscience that shows us how it impacts the brain waves when we engage in something artistic or something creative and it also helps to raise serotonin levels and and that's what we need for the benefit of like feeling good those yeah. are the ways that we combat depression so Art therapy is something that is very unique um, and that may be very formal in terms of people who are art therapists and credentialed to do that. And other times it may be just journaling. It might yeah. be writing about something. It may be drawing about something, creating stories, as you said, and that becomes a way for many people to either escape environments, having a place that they feel is safe because they're able to create that. So thank you for for linking linking that together.
1: Oh, yeah, of course. I, I think, you know, Dr. Ross, you, you, you were talking about that um, that sense of mood and, and like the ethos mm-hmm. of, of the work. It is it's interesting to uh, kind of witness this evolution when we do have to go back through and mm-hmm. do our evaluations and, and things like that to, you know, prove that the, that the work is doing what we say it does. Um, it's so interesting to watch their own self-assessment throughout their journey with us, if it was them just with us for 10 weeks during a residency, or if they were with us. And and usually for those residencies, we only see them once a week. Um, and sometimes a little bit more, it really does depend on the need of school, but it could also be like a truncated period of time where we're together for camp and we're together all day for two weeks. Um, it's really interesting to watch and hear the sense that what you're talking about, that affirmation, I guess, really is what it is. Yes. That the, the space of always being told you can do it. You're, you're, you've grown so much. Oh my goodness, you're singing beautifully today. You were terrified yesterday, but listen to you now. Um, and just having the agency to be able to create something that you're yes. proud of, that you own, that you get to share with the world. I have watched young people just completely open up and blossom. Um, mm-hmm. And it's been great to also hear the feedback from their caregivers to say, "I didn't even recognize my child." Um, they've they've been coming home with this excitement. Mm-hmm. They're never like this at school, and you know the, that that kind of feedback. It, it's a yeah. reminder that you know it. This does help uh, give people hope. It really, it really does. And we need Our, that. It, yeah, we we need yeah.
0: joy, as you said yeah. earlier on, cultivating joy. I I work with my patients a lot on that because there might be this idea that therapy is only, you're only supposed to talk about the things that are wrong or there's a deficit. But no, it's about resiliency. It's about power, empowerment. It's about looking at strengths, looking at the ways in which people have been able to grow. It's not always only post-traumatic stress. Sometimes there's post-traumatic growth. So yes, having those opportunities to recognize that it's okay.
1: Mm -hmm. to
0: recognize joy, because particularly like with racial trauma, which we'll get to, you know, we have to find those spaces where we can affirm ourselves. It becomes important.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: Yes. So Mrs. Barner, talk with us about structural racism, particularly how it is represented in stereotypical images in arts and messages in the media.
1: That's so that is so loaded. You know. <laughs> yes, I we don't
0: have it. enough time for all of
1: it. But yeah, what we can get in. <laughs> oh no, Lord. Um it's oh my. You know what what I would say what what feels most recent, what's most relevant. Two things are coming to mind. One is when you do specifically I'm thinking about these stereotypical images. Um mm-hmm. So Dr. Ross, you've just seen a show. Uh, audience, Dr. Ross has just seen a show. Yes. That so had that <laughs> the, an- the anchor to this show, which is called The Confederates. And I know we'll probably hold a little bit of time to talk about it, but mm-hmm. we just produced a show called The Confederates by Dominique So It was directed by Elizabeth. Um, gosh, what's Elizabeth's last name? It just left my mind. Uh, Elizabeth Carter. Um, and, uh, the first image that you see, is an image of an enslaved woman yes um and her chest is exposed and she is there's a, a white baby that is suckling her breast yes what nurse? Um, yeah she's she's she is the nurse mm-hmm. um and it's an image that many many of us have seen yes it's it's been in our history books it's been you know it's it's part of like black history um 101 when we when we kind of get a sense of of the, the role in which these women were mm-hmm. were um, exploited during slavery, and what's yeah. really interesting is that this show flips the dynamic um, of of this woman being stripped of her power, yes, yeah. um, and this woman who had to essentially be nurturer for other people's children um, and potentially have to neglect her own. Um, and this woman who has been raped this woman who has been traumatized this mm-hmm. woman who has no value um who is 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 traded as if they were just you know scraps um this show has a unique opportunity to at, at the end we see a tr- a really powerful shift um, yes. as as we um as the one of the main characters reclaims her body reclaims her power reclaims the narrative um and so i think we see it. I think that art has the opportunity to acknowledge it, but instead mm-hmm. of uphold the status quo, has the opportunity to challenge it and create uh, innovative ways to say, yes, this is maybe how you are used to seeing, mm-hmm. uh, black and brown people. But this is, this is an opportunity for me to actually infuse, um, mm-hmm. infuse something new, something fresh so that you can shift your narrative of who we are. Um And so I think the play in particular does a really, really good job of that. Mm-hmm. I think that when I, I also think about like in our industry in particular, and I think in general, but certainly in the arts and culture industry over the past like five to seven years, there's been a major leadership change. Mm-hmm. There's lots of women, lots of black women, lots of black men, and, and not just black folks, but just people of, of color. You've got Asian American yes. folks who are just climbing the ranks at their Mm -hmm. institutions Um, and they're having a hard time leading. And and a a colleague and I were talking the other day, and it was just interesting. We were like, you know, how, how did these, you know, old white men do this for 35 years, you know, and and our young leaders of color are tired after five minutes. Um, And it's because a lot of the time they're not given the resources to succeed. And, and our, our, our communities, our board members, our executive mm-hmm. leaders, they have not shifted the racist structures mm-hmm. that allowed those old white men to exceed, yeah. to succeed for 35 minutes, for 35 years. Um, nothing has changed except you put a new person in the seat. So exactly.
0: um, that's just, that's the systemic piece, yeah, right? So, exactly. I mean, while there is representation, in systems we still have the same system. So as That's you said, it. why tired after five minutes? It's different. You know, it we've talked about on previous shows about the black tax. Meaning yeah. in terms of the amount of energy that we have to put in and we saw that in in the play. Yes. As well, in terms of the amount of energy it takes to be yeah. black, be a black yeah. woman or be a black man within a system. And then if you add any other type of social identity along with it, it just becomes yeah. More work a, that that needs to be done.
1: That's it. The emotional tax is real, and mm-hmm. and we bear it every day. And and so you know when when we talk about that angry black woman or or the the mother who's the single mother who's who's not home, you still kind of see those troops, you know. Um, and it really is undergirded by a lack of understanding, um, mm-hmm. institutionally a lack of support. Uh, a lack of resources, (laughs) a a lot of, a lot of uh, there are moments where I feel like, you know, we we were walking into a burning, a burning building Mm. unless we take the time to restructure our institutions so that they are sustainable and equitable. Mm -hmm. And that's where
0: self-care comes in. Because at the same time, I always say it's like, you have to um, build the banner carry the banner, you yes. know, do the healing, yes. all, all of the work internally, but then you have to also do a lot of external work. So yes. for me, I do a lot of training also too on self-care because as being in a helping profession, we could do so much that sometimes burnout happens, compassion yeah. fatigues happen. So it's yeah. important for us to uh, take care of yourself. So as you mentioned, the stereotypical images in in the media, it is powerful. You know, their stereotype type of images, but then we also have empowering images. Like last year, we had several films related to like Black life and culture, you know, Woman King, Till, yeah. Wakanda Forever. So with this in the theater, um, as you talked about this production, Now Confederates, um, and written by Dominique Muriceau, who is a MacArthur Genius Award winning yes. playwright, the production is so powerful. By the time this airs, so this is Sunday, February 19th, but by the time it airs, we will have had the um pre-show conversation for uh STL Rep Community Night, an educational conversation, where I'll be speaking and talking about the film and racial trauma. What was your inspiration for having this talk for the community?
1: Well, I, I mean... Number one, just you, and 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 all of all of who you are, bringing your brilliance into the space and your expertise into the space, um, is is I I think a valued gift. Um, And and I think that when you know you the truth. And, and, and I think that when I, I do in particular have a heart for young people. I, I yes. love young
0: people. Me too. <laughs> um,
1: and, and you know, when I watch the show and I think about the show, it pulls up, Keisha, I'm going to tell you, but it pulls up this interesting It's a real emotional journey because by the time you walk in and you see these images and you're like, where are we going? Right. You're like, <laughs> where hey. are we going? And, and, Am I going to be upset? Am I going to be embarrassed? And, and it, and it, it mm-hmm. doesn't, right? And it takes you on this real interesting journey that leads you with, that left me with a tremendous amount of pride, mm-hmm. um, resolve yeah. and resilience. Um, and, and what, what, however, the things that are unlocked and discovered in this play are for some folks, I think, very triggering. Um, the parallels that are drawn of this, this world of this enslaved woman and then this world of this brilliant, masterful college professor. Um, so, you know, it's like, it's the world 200 years ago and then the world today. Um, and the, the very real parallels of these worlds and how these, these characters essentially are showing up throughout our history, right? And, and I think that young people just need to be I, I don't want to say armed. That's not. A, I, I want to not use a violent word. But they need to be better prepared yes. and and resourced with how um, these microaggressions show up
0: mm-hmm. with
1: with how to actually be able to have a metric for allyship. Yeah. Um, and and being able to your point, taking care of themselves. You know, there's this is moment in the play where where uh, Sandra, the professor, she just in her office with a glass this- of wine. You know,
0: she's like, and, and and I love that they made that character in academia because I had a specific show about that and it was powerful about black women. That was Dr. Russell and she's in Canada. So Mm -hmm. if you think like it's kept, it, we catch it hard over here, Canada is even more challenges Mm
1: -hmm. again
0: within systems because there's less representation. So just powerful to see, as you said, the dynamic of the time. Yeah. It's seamless in that the, the sadness of it and the overwhelming part is that yes, you do have hundreds of years span yes. between them, but it still is struggle that mm-hmm. is happening, manifested in a different way, way. Yep. but still struggle.
1: Yep.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Yep. Absolutely. But,
0: but I do feel, I felt hopeful. At the end. So, so that, that's, that's the part. So I'm trying not to do any spoilers. But yeah. <laughs> before, um, they see it, but part of what we're going to talk a bit on that night is racial trauma, like what it is. What is intergenerational trauma? What are the things we can do to, um, learn and understand about it? How can we heal from it? Because it's ongoing. It's a process. You know, I've had people say to me, well, I never knew that that was racial trauma, intergenerational trauma, because it's just an experience they're having. But not really having words to right. put to it. So I think even just having language, yeah, to yeah. understand what something is is powerful. And we see yeah. that in the play also, as you know, they talk about learning to read and just the power of that. Being a slave and being able to read what what that meant. Mm-hmm.
1: And and one of the interesting things too, um, and I, and and I really think that this is a trauma. You know, not being able to trust. And one of the things that she says is is as long as there's a plantation one of the lines as long as there's a plantation there's no trust and and it's it's so hard when when you are existing in these systems of oppression to be able to trust anybody Mm -hmm. right and so i think that when i I look at young people in this cancel culture that we live in and and you know it's just like they they just have very little tolerance very little forgiveness and, yes. and, and and that- It's a
0: perspective mechanism. Yes, I mean, yes. when you really think about what it is, you know, particularly for Black people, you hear it all the time. Well, we come from a strong line of people. So I don't know why folks are having these challenges today. I'm like, we had these challenges before. Yes, it's right. just that we did not have time to stay and say, say oh, I'm depressed. Right. Oh, I'm anxious. Right. Oh, I have PTSD. I mean, it was such- in the plantation, as you see, there's no space, there's no room to really think outside yep. of of that box. But when you fast forward, you see that there's still a structure in which it feels like we don't have the space to move. But then you realize, okay, wait a minute, this is what our ancestors fought for. They did fight. Yes. There was rebellion for us to have an opportunity to say, look, we need to stop and mm-hmm. and care for ourselves mm-hmm. along mm-hmm. this journey. Mm-hmm. That's right. So very, very powerful. I'm, I'm looking forward to that evening. I think we're gonna have a lot of good conversation, and hopefully, yes, we have a lot of young people out yes. to talk about what's going on. And then we also live in a time where educationally, you know, there's a lot of schools that are taking, you know, things out of the school books. So if there isn't that understanding and that thread of connection. Mm-hmm. That's where there could be a lack of understanding. So this play is powerful in that way. Like all well, the things they're not teaching you in the school books, we, we're going to get to a good bit of it in this yes. hour and, yes. and 45 minutes. Mm-hmm.
1: Yes. Exactly. And, and
0: good opportunities to continue to have, have more conversations.
1: Agree. One of the, it's, it's interesting the, the, we wanted, we desperately wanted to have a student matinee for uh, Confederates. And it's interesting the the lack of interest that we have kind of garnered uh, mm-hmm. for this show in particular. Um and you know, all, all things have to be balanced. And so we made the really tough decision to cancel it. But it was interesting to see how people signed up originally and slowly for different reasons,
0: but mm-hmm. slowly
1: started to withdraw their interest. Um and it's a show that people, that teachers just need to bring their children to. Yes. They just, they just do. They need to bring their children to come see the show. Um, yes. so, so no, just uh, agreeing with, with what you're saying about connecting that thread.
0: And I think we just live in a society too, where it's an avoiding culture. I mean, it's mm-hmm. been hundreds of years and we still don't have these spaces and, and open conversations. Regularly, so it's not to say they don't happen, but usually it takes a great deal of conscious effort and energy for it to happen. But these are conversations that should be had in educational settings. They should be in community settings. They should be in religious organizations. They should be everywhere because it's it's a part of the makeup of of this country.
1: That's right. That's right.
0: So the more we are um, take an active approach, the more we will we will be able to heal.
1: I agree So and understand. Yeah, we, agree.
0: We've talked a good bit about, you know, your background as the playwright producer. We've talked about the importance of cultural representation within the arts. Can you speak to us about what are some of the barriers to having cultural representation within the arts and how do you work through that?
1: Oh my goodness. I, I, you know, I talked a little bit, kind of alluded to it a little bit before, but it is, it is, um, you know, if a person, if a person only has one experience of, uh, of a black woman, and, and, and the, so I'll say I statements, because that's how I navigate through yeah. life. That's how I identify. Um, it is, um, I'm, I'm often fighting those invisible, uh, racial troops, those invisible stereotypes. Um, mm-hmm. I often have to really temper my words, my, mm-hmm. my, um, behavior. Um, you know, I have to be, <laughs> there are things, I mean, are it's funny, but it's true. You know, there are moments when I'm like, do I do a silk press today or do I wear my, my curls? Um, Mm-hmm. Or how are people going to, pre- everything is a choice and everything I mean. is going to pre- be perceived a certain way. Um, and isn't
0: that amazing that we have to make like, a, I saw something on LinkedIn the other day about that with here where they had like a split and they had one side curly and one side um straight mm-hmm. and just like mm-hmm. conversation on that end. Mm-hmm. This is where, again, for like our white counterparts, they don't understand the level of like privilege that they have. Like they just go in and that those aren't things that they think about. And I've done trainings for white people where they're like, I've never even had that thought in my mind that that would be something that you have to think about. And it's like, yes, because you already um, experience discrimination for different reasons. So exactly. fear can be then now a very specific one. And as That's you it. talk about not wanting to be perceived as the angry black woman mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. of how things are shared. Like sometimes I've I've experienced that in settings. I could say something that may be similar to a white counterpart, but the way it's perceived is yeah. be different If I say it,
1: yeah, you know, or 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 I'm bossy or. <laughs> Or what whatever the narrative, whatever it is. Yeah. Um so it's it's it is really interesting because again, it's it's a person's lack of exposure um and the lack of their own knowledge. Um that truly is, is is ignorance. And and so I'm always fighting, I think because I can I can see it, I can feel it, and so I'm like, Okay, <sighs> prepare myself for this setting. Um, I also think that the work that we're trying to do is pretty is pretty radical in some sense, um, and and so you know making sure that we are actually supported by whatever previous structures of executive leadership may have existed or board members. So, for example, since we are a five hundred one c three and we're a nonprofit, we've got a board, um, and there are some institutions that don't have supportive boards, and so they can't program. The way that they want to be able to program Mm. because the board doesn't support it um we're fortunate how we have a great board um but i know some not so great boards um and people who really stop anything if you for a moment say anti-racist they're like we're not putting that Mm. on our mission we're not putting that on on Mm -hmm. our values right um and so what does that say to the leader of color who is trying to move this institution yes. forward if the board doesn't want to use words that they mm-hmm. feel will scare their friends and and their, you know, they won't be able to go to the country club and have lunch. <laughs> Um, so, so it's, it's tough. It is tough. And so you're trying to, to make some inroads and you're trying to make movement and you're trying to bring in new people. And then another issue is really trust when you, especially when it, when you're working at a historically white institution. Mm-hmm. And I've had to learn this over the past couple of years. It's funny. I've, I've talked to our, our artistic director who is also a black woman and she, um, you, you do have to own which is hard. You do have to own the past sins even that predate you. Um, the fact that we did not do the best job of reaching out to communities of color until Hana got here, right? Until yeah. I got here. You have to own it. And so when we go into spaces and people don't trust us, we have to acknowledge the fact that yeah, we didn't do a good job and and I'm sorry. And mm-hmm. I'm here to mend this this broken relationship and to put some balm on this wound. Um <laughs> And, and it's, it's, it is really humbling. Um, and you gotta do the work of building that trust because I think that the institutions will die if the community sees no value in them. Mm-hmm. And so as we are growing our, our sense of engagement with our community, we've gotta be able to build real relationships with folks. Um, mm-hmm. so I would say those are some of the, the challenges and, and, and there are more, but the- <laughs> <laughs> that feels real right
0: now but <laughs> some of what you spoke to is just resistance as you mentioned earlier the feeling tired is it's that resistance because again you're bringing information you're bringing ideas but then there's resistance mm-hmm. to what is necessary and while all of this is has will be continue to be important it's even more paramount at this time because within this country, the demographics are changing. So what has been historically where we have, at least in the last few hundred years, been predominantly white, we see that there is going to be a person of color, majority in America. So there needs to be this understanding, it's always been there, but the evidence just continues to build and build and be shown, but what we're recognizing now is more of the fear that is coming up for those who have privilege, those who are in the positions like where they may not want to let go of the way that things have been done. So I think art is a very powerful way to depict it, right? So just what is happening now, see, it's nothing like sitting down and just seeing something before your eyes, right? Yeah because yeah. you're getting visual images but your brain is working so you're having thoughts mm-hmm. thoughts are going to trigger like beliefs mm-hmm. you know and mm-hmm. you can have all of this like internal kind of experience that goes along with it to help bring about both inner and outer that's so change true.
1: that's mm-hmm. so true and and the power of the spoken word right like it it, it is it is yesterday we had um a talk back and what was interesting is typically to be con- completely honest with you, we usually only have about 15 to 20 people stay for post-show conversations. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, we had over 100 yesterday. Wonderful. It just, I mean, I was blown away by the amount of folks to say, and most of them were white who stayed and they wanted to listen to this cast. And I, and I was co-facilitating, um, the conversation. And so I'm tracking all the questions that are coming in. Um, and so, so much, so much of the thoughts and the feedback and the feelings were, oh my gosh, I I am having a moment of understanding. Mm -hmm. I am, I am seeing things with a new, with new eyes, with new vision. Um, I, I cried because Mm -hmm. I never understood. Yes. The pain, the hurt, you know, and so being able—you have to sit for an hour and forty-five yes, minutes to
0: sit with it and, mm-hmm. and
1: sit with, sit in your discomfort a bit and watch mm-hmm. this this story of of these beautiful black women who are are facing these these challenges, and it helps them see. I think, you know, I think it builds a, a better bridge of understanding. And and one of the other things that I heard a woman—it's a, interesting—a white woman say. Um, After watching the show um, Friday, she hops up and she says, um, with a lot of like rigor, Mm but like a lot of vigor, she's like, this is why I come to the theater, because I'm reminded that I'm human, right? And so even though this story is very specific, it is kind of a tribute or like an ode to Black women. It's a love letter. I think Dominique Mm -hmm. has said several times, it's a love letter to Black women. All women can see something yes, about yes. themselves in this. Um, I heard, and,
0: yeah. I heard you talk know, like that after today, you know, mingling around a lot of people where the white room talking about gender issues and those yeah, kinds of
1: things as well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. If you have an ear to hear and a heart to receive, there, there's something I think, um, just humane about it, um, about, about being able to reclaim power, take up space, love yourself, um, yes so yeah, yeah, yeah. And
0: and I would love, as you said, to see something like this infused into educational art departments. Like these are things that are needed, like on the high school level. These it's what we need to know and understand. Some people may describe it as raw or in your face, whatever it may be, but this is our reality.
1: This That's is right.
0: life, right? We can't we can't
1: sugarcoat can't it. it. <laughs> we can't hide
0: it and, and we can't sugarcoat it so it becomes right. very um Important. So I'll, i love to hear some more about those themes because they may be linked to what we will talk about, um, next Friday. Yes. So we are, are winding down on, on some of our time. So, um, let's see what we can get to before we wrap up. So we did talk about your work, particularly in the different areas. Can you speak to us now specifically from the role of being a Black woman? In those arenas as a playwright producer director what would you want our listeners to know and understand
1: mm. um i think that we have to do a better job of listening mm. to the people who um have the lived experience and and supporting the work that they're able to produce, whether it's art or whether it's an academic journal, um, whatever your sector is, whatever your industry is, trust mm-hmm. the black folks <laughs> yes. in in the room when they tell you a thing um, about their community, about opportunities for their community. Mm-hmm. Um, we really do have to do a better job of really listening to the people who have lived it yes. um, and show up for each other when, when we've made something. And, and I don't just mean, you know, black folks, people of color, but in general, just society, we are still very polarized in what we think is good. Right. Mm-hmm. When we place judgment or some or value or something, it's, it's like, if it's white, it's right. If, mm-hmm. if, if it's a, you know, if it's Arthur Miller's play, then I know that play. I'm yeah. going to go see that play. If it's Death of a Salesman, I'm going to go see that play mm-hmm. because I've heard about it. But try something new by the black girl down the street. Mm-hmm. Um, because it, it may change you. It may transform you. It may yes. actually challenge you in a way that those classic works may not. Um, mm-hmm. and I think that we, we have kind of coined this, this phrase, uh, this with, within our department, lifelong learning. And, and mm-hmm. instead of it stop, a lot of departments have like department of education in our industry. Mm-hmm. A lot of theaters have departments of education. Ours is learning and community engagement intentionally so that we can not think of, for, for me, and this is probably just me, how I think about it. I think of education, maybe this is my own trauma, uh, but <laughs> I think of education, when I hear education, I think paper 12. I just do. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I think that cultivating a sense of learning just throughout mm-hmm. life is where we all need to be. You've never learned all the things you, yes, you've yes. never made it. And so we Absolutely. want people to just be curious to just get up and say, what am I, what, what is new for me today? Well, how can I grow? How can I evolve?
0: Yes.
1: Um, so, so challenge yourselves to try new to consume new content. Um, you, you may be surprised. You may find that you, uh, understand somebody else that doesn't look like you live like mm-hmm. you um and 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 potentially be a better contributor to society i think
0: thank you as you said life long learning and doing a better job as you said um listening to people with lived experience because that becomes a challenge in the systems right like people not feeling like we are seen and heard and that becomes so important in terms of expansion In terms of representation, and it helps to decrease bias because when you're listening to other people, you're getting a divergent viewpoint. It's not necessarily what you've been exposed to. So that becomes the challenge. And You mentioned like what is polarized, like what is considered good, not good. But all of that is that indoctrination into the white supremacy, the idea of like what is white is right and what is white is superior. So and that's not only right for white people because we see it within issues, too. So we see it within our own community, too, in terms of like what might be perceived and accepted in in, in a different way. So that becomes having to. Challenge you know as I call it detox from mm. that indoctrination we have to learn to move away from that so we have to replace that thinking with new thinking and that that'll be some of what we'll talk about um next week so I know we are winding down on our time so what for my last question I'd like to ask what advice can you give to persons looking for help or support in their journey to liberate, heal and build equity utilizing creativity mm. of the arts?
1: Mm. You know, you you this, this is twofold. I think if you're in a leadership position, um, maximize it. I would say don't be selfish with it. Create opportunities for for somebody to come up under you, learn from you. Um, really be intentional about opening doors for folks. Um, if you are not yet in the leadership position don't wait, mm. create. You have to be able to, to, to believe in your own sense of agency and build the thing that you are waiting for. Do the thing that mm-hmm. you're waiting for. And if you really have, um, I think the passion, it's not even always the skill. If you have the drive, just the yeah. passion to be able to do it, the universe will make way for, will make a way for you. I personally believe that, that, What is for you is for you. And if God has willed it, it is going to come to pass, but don't wait. Don't sleep. Don't wait. Um, I can say that I've done, I've done both. Um, as, as a black leader, Mm -hmm. I always take, I, I I love everybody, but I'm intentional about making sure my black youth have opportunities to be supported, resourced, nourished, um, Mm -hmm. I'm not going to turn you away because you're white, but I'm going to make, I'm going to be intentional with, with, with my young people of color. But then also you got to be able to just create. If you want to write a play, write a play, go down the street and, and get a grant. Rack is always asking artists to to submit an application. They will give you money to create, be creative, do it. It is necessary to, to, I think, life you know mm-hmm. he, I, I tell my son all the time my son is not an artist he's he will probably grow up to be either an attorney or an architect <laughs> one of the two and um you know he he comes home and tells me things about jeff bezos and i'm like how do you even know that but <laughs> but he's, like he's i tell ready. him he's ready and i tell him i said he was he was a creator he was an innovator right like what he's been able to build i don't even know how i would live without amazon now but that's because it, he took the time to be an innovative mind, mm-hmm. create, just do it, just be be fearless. And I think to your point, Keisha, one of the things that we that stops us from just doing is mm-hmm. fear. It's yes. the trauma, and yes. so being yes. able to take the time to do the self work, to do the therapy, to do the self care, so that you are not moving yes. throughout life in fear. Yes,
0: yes. I, oh, I, 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 yes. I love that. Don't wait, create. You heard it yes. here from Mrs. and Don't wait, create. I love it. Believe in your um, own agency. Build the thing that you're waiting for, which is true. We've talked about that on a lot of our other shows that indoctrination over time and slavery, colonization has also led to a dependency of sometimes yes. where we feel like we have to be an employee yes. and not an employer because the yes. fear is stepping out on our own. So I love what you're talking about there. And so many of our guests have also said that create, don't yes. necessarily wait. What it yeah. is you're looking for, as you said, go ahead and create that. And And if you're at a point that the fear is so much, this is where My part comes in, it's like, seek help, seek treatment. If there are traumas, there are things that are there that no matter what you try to do on your own, you can't get there. Seek help. That's it. Therapy can be a wonderful experience. It can be a way to heal. It could be a way to move forward. And we've talked about all kinds of therapies in the past, but we also have arts and creativity today so this may be a platform for people who are listening if like the traditional style of therapy is not what works but you may think about utilizing creativity and the arts as a way to move out and break free from from that level of fear yes
1: yes so
0: we've had a remarkably enlightening conversation dialogue with Mrs. Adina Varna. Thank you so much. We certainly thank you for being here on new arise in the mind and body connection. If people want to reach out to you, how can they contact
1: you? Oh, they can find me on social. I am a millennial. So I'm a Facebook user and Instagram and my tag is my name. So Adina Varna at Adina Varna, Facebook, Instagram, um, please, please, please inbox me. I'm very accessible. You can also shoot me an email if you want to be professional. Uh It's at avarner.reps, T-L, R-E-P-S-T-L.org. avarner at repstl.org.
0: that's Wonderful. Thank you. And as we prepare to wrap up, Mrs. Varner, is there anything else you'd like to share with our listeners before we wrap up? Any other yes. pearls? Yes.
1: I mean, we've talked so much about the show. Uh, Dr. Ross is going to do a phenomenal, phenomenal uh, pre-show conversation. So we just encourage everybody to come and see this beautiful, um, transformative piece of art that we have created at the Rep. Um, we're so excited to share it with the community. Thank you so much, Dr. Ross.
0: Wonderful. And and how long will the play be running? It's it's till March, right?
1: March the fifth, yes.
0: Wonderful. So March if you haven't point. seen it, go see it. If you've seen it, go see it again, because we definitely <laughs> want to um support. So once again, thank you, Mrs. Barner, for appearing on New Horizon, the Mind and Body Connection on Intentional Talk Radio Network. Our next show will be uh March twelfth. Thank you to our um listeners who will hear this pre recorded um session. And although you can't send in your life questions, please feel free to send in your comments. Thank you so much. Remember a healthy mind and healthy body is key to longevity. Thank you. Thank you, Mrs. Garnet.
1: Thank you.